In ancient times, when man came down from the trees, they learned to use fire and began making sharp blades, invented wheels, and started paving trails, and finally learned to plant seeds and settled in one place. But they did not have a nation or a king. Homo sapiens didn't have dreams and had not yet reached the top of the Great Pyramid of Nature. The Arthdell Chronicles. Welcome to this week's episode of Warfare, Advancement, and Revisionism. My name is Preston Floyd, and as always, I'm your host. So, I'd like to welcome everyone to the penultimate episode of our Halloween special. Uh, or specials, I should say. Um, this week we are covering the Arthdale Chronicles, which is a Korean uh, drama. Uh, and... Uh, we will have one more uh, kind of a Halloween sci-fi fantasy show after this one, and then we'll return back to our regular history program. Uh, this little kind of break of episodes has really helped me kind of do some research and stuff, so I hope you all uh, have enjoyed these, but I equally hope that you're ready to kind of jump back into the actual history. So... Uh, kind of trying to break this show down. Um, I want to start by saying uh, I do not speak Korean. Uh, so if I butcher some of these pronunciations, I do apologize. Uh, it is not my goal to do so. Um, but yeah, so let's go ahead and get started with this episode. So, Arthdale Chronicles is a show that is... Uh, was initially released in June of 2019. Uh, it ran uh, until September of that year, and uh, it has been, I guess, greenlit for a second season. And they're doing like I guess all kind of like integrations with other kind of genres. I think there's plans for like an MMO RPG in Korea. Uh, as well as some other kind of um, spin-off type uh, media. Um, it was initially uh, written by uh, Kim Yong-hyun and Park Sang-yeon, uh, and I believe most of, if not all, of the episodes are directed by the same uh, director, Kim Won-suk. And, of course, this is a South Korean production. Uh, and I uh, this is not a review of the full series. This is just um, kind of a first episode type of dive-in. Um, there just wasn't enough time for me to kind of watch all this. I, I've watched the first three episodes, but the main thing I'm going to kind of get into is the first one. And then you can decide for yourself if you'd like to dive into it. Um the episodes are fairly long, uh, despite it's uh, 18 episodes, I believe, total, but each one is 70 minutes long, so it, it's a decent, decent length show. Um, and uh, in addition to me possibly butchering the names of the characters and some of the uh, writers, actors, and that kind of stuff, um, I will say the names kind of are not the most clear, at least in these early episodes. Um, it takes a little bit to get used to who the characters are. Uh, 
and what their relation to each other is. Um, so that is going to be a little bit, bit of an issue for myself. Um, and I, you know, that is something, you, you know, if you decide to watch the show, that is something you'll have to deal with. Um, so just bear that in mind. It's not always clear who is who and what their kind of relationship is to each other. Although I'm sure, you know, as time goes on, uh, that kind of resolves itself. Um, now, uh, this is kind of, uh, it's set in a fictional world, or at least land, um, called Arthdale. And it's during a very uh, primordial ancient time. Um, they make it sound like it's going to be the Bronze Age, but there are some issues with this. Uh, that I'll kind of get into, though I don't think the series means to be very historically accurate. There are definitely certain types of mythological and semi-religious influences that are kind of part of this series. Um, and that's not, you know, that's not a bad thing per se. It's just, it is what it is. So, um, now, um, I was under the impression that this was just a completely unique kind of fantasy world, um, but I uh, have in my research found out that this is kind of sort of loosely based on the kind of the Korean foundation myth um, of like a, you know, a descendant of uh, heaven uh, called uh, Dagon. Uh, there is a character called Tugon with a T, uh, whereas the you know, mythological figure is called Dugon with a D, uh, as in dog. Um, so I'm assuming that there's going to be a little bit of overlap between these, um, kind of the stories of these two people, uh, which is fine. I myself am not the biggest Korean mythology buff. Um, it's kind of hard to get some good English sources, but I am kind of familiar with the general thrust of the story. And, um, you know, kind of the theories of how, you know, what this, those stories are trying to tell um, the Koreans themselves about their past. But um, that's something, again, we're going to dive into specifically in the future when we start to talk about um, the Korean people and the Korean states that kind of form in that peninsula and area. Um, but, uh, again, this is loosely based on that, so I don't know how how much overlap there actually is. Um, so uh, just take all this with a little bit of a grain of salt. So essentially this world is occupied by uh, a group of humans, uh, actually several groups of humans, and they've kind of formed a coalition or a confederation. Um, you have the uh, Sanyok tribe, uh, I guess they're kind of the most uh, powerful of, or at least the most militaristic of the human tribes. Uh, then you have the, uh, it's the uh, Asa tribe, um, which I think kind of means White Mountain, from my understanding. Uh, there's kind of a little bit of overlap. Uh, the subtitles aren't necessarily 100% clear, but they kind of are the more religious and spiritual leaders of the groups. And then you have um, the uh, Hai or Hay tribe. Um, they're kind of, 
I mean, they seem very similar to the to the uh, Sanyuk tribe, although they don't have nearly as many characters, uh, at least so far. Again, I'm only like three episodes in, but they kind of seem to be like a second-rate uh, Sanyak, or maybe more of a, um, I guess maybe they're meant to be a little bit more um, peaceful or slightly more administrative side of the, the Confederation. Uh, then there's also, I think, another group um, that's... I, it's um, but they, they don't show up until episode two, so I really won't go into them. Uh, and then of course there's kind of the uh, the the enemy of this confederation. Uh, it's they're called Neanthal, which um, of course it's supposed to be, I guess, kind of a version of Neanderthal. Um, although that is not at all what they actually are. Again, this is a fantasy world. They're using some similar naming schemes. I think they kind of maybe try to blend it into like a to our world or at least make you kind of associate certain aspects of their world with ours. Uh, the Neanthal, uh, they're a slightly more, I wouldn't say primitive, but they are definitely more, um, uh, shall we say, traditional hunters and gatherers. Um, they are also extremely strong and fast. Uh, there is a very uh, interesting scene. It's really the first uh, first scene of the show. Uh, it's a group of uh, uh, Arthdal confederated tribesmen um, trying to track down a Neanthal. Uh, and it's one against quite a number of people. And he ends up slaughtering most of the humans and then escaping as... Um, the humans' uh, reinforcements kind of arrive on the scene. Um, they are shown to be extremely strong, fast, and they do have some more. Um, and I don't know if this is like meant to do to be like purposing, but their hands are showed as claws. Now I don't know if they're you know actual claws or if they've just sharpened their nails that way. I don't know what the kind of what they're going for on that end, but. Um, Anyway, after this scene, you get a kind of a, a meeting of the minds, shall we say, between uh, the uh, leader of the Sanyok tribe, uh, whose name I believe is Sanung, and the also um, the Asa Ron, which I don't know if that's his name or his title. Asa is definitely a clan, but I don't know if that's like... Um, if, if Ron is the name of, like, the leader of the Asa. But, um, anyway, uh, they're, they're basically part of the negotiations with the leader of the Neanthal, who, uh, I think his name is uh, Rockrov. Um, and they, I don't know what language they have the Neanthal speaking, but they are, they are speaking slightly different languages, at least from what I can tell. One is, one is definitely Korean, but the other, I'm not sure if it's just like a gibberish or if it's something they created um, for it, but they're not quite the same thing. And it may also be that they've like um, used like voice modulation or something like that for the Neanthal as well. There's definitely something going on uh, to make their voices seem less human. Uh, 
Uh, the Neanthal also have blue or uh, purple blood. Um, it's kind of hard to see uh, in certain areas. Um, I think it's meant to be blue because there is some scenes in the light where uh, that really comes through. And that that's pretty striking, uh, like visually. Uh, it looks great. Um, so uh, you have, of course, the Human Confederation. Uh, they're trying to make peace with the Neanderthal because they want to uh, establish uh, agriculture in the area. They want to grow crops and they want to kind of consume, assume control of the land. Um, and do this, they kind of offer a set of gifts to the Neanderthal. Uh, the leader, uh, Rakrov, um, he is not impressed with the gifts they give him. Uh, they give him a gifts of mugwort and garlic um garlic and um of course being like um, a fairly uh useful plant for a number of reasons and we'll get to that in the real world episodes when the when we actually develop it and mugwort is um it's like a daisy if you're not familiar although it doesn't have quite the um the bright coloring that you'd see in like a more traditional one, but they are also used as like a type of a medicine, uh, as well as, um, you know, for other, um, um, uses as well. They'll, uh, of course, I think it can be just eaten, but it's also useful as an insecticide and for oil, uh, in addition to medicinal, uh, medicinal uses, usages, excuse me. <clears throat> um, so uh, the negotiations fail, and then you are introduced to uh, a character known as uh, Tagan, as I said, uh, who I believe is the character that uh, Dagon is, um, or Tagan is based on the mythological figure Dagon. Uh, he is the son of San Sanung, and he he, uh, once he finds out that the negotiations have broke down, he kind of comes up with a plan uh, to help the humans defeat the Neanderthal. Uh, he, he has a pet bird that he has kind of uh, caught uh, and kind of, I guess, fed and kept healthy. Uh, and he's noticed that wild versions of these birds will fly uh, to the mountain every morning and then at the evening, they'll fly out and return to uh, the forests surrounding the mountain they live on. Um, he uh, comes up with the bright idea to attach uh, flaming um, ribbons or wrappings to the bird's legs and then f release them. And of course, as they're releasing them, uh, the birds will eventually catch fire and fall to the forest and they just cause a huge like forest fire. And that kind of smokes the Neanderthal out. Um, but there is another aspect to this plan that uh, I don't know if it's specifically said that Tagan comes up with or if um, this was just kind of a collaborative effort between the, um, the Asa tribe and the Sanyok tribe. Um, the Asa send a um, daughter of their clan, uh, known as Asa Han. Uh, she is sent as another kind of peace emissary. She is sent to give different kinds of gifts that may be more um, 
appreciated by the uh, the um, Neanthal group um, because, as they say, as um, as they're turning down the peace proposals, they do not eat garlic or mugwort. They they have no use for it. Um, but she is sent to give them uh, textiles, and these textiles have been uh, infected with a disease of some sort. And this weakens the Neanderthal. So, in addition to the this fast-spreading disease, uh, they are being pelted by, you know, forest fire and flaming birds. And this allows the humans to kind of defeat them in kind of a sneak attack, and, uh, you know, um, seize control of a large part of the forest around uh, Arthal. Um, because of this treachery and her not being aware that she was part of this sneak attack, um, Asahan is very uh, upset and she decides to leave um, her people. Uh, she finds a injured child, um, or a, uh, a child that has been dropped by a very sick mother who, who kind of died in front of her. So she decides to rescue the child. She meets uh, a... Um, Neanderthal man who is also caring for a child. I don't know if it's supposed to be his child or if it's just a relative of his or if it's just a random um, kid from his group, but he is able to uh, kind of withstand some of the more diff uh, debilitating effects of the disease and he he kind of helps Asahan in in um, kind of indirectly because uh, he kills one of these soldier escorts of hers uh, and this kind of allows her to kind of break away. Um, he's also, I think, planning on killing her, or at least he, he would like to initially. Um, he, he specifically calls her and uh, the humans evil, um, but he kind of, after ripping, <laughs> ripping her a guard's heart out, um, he kind of finally becomes overwhelmed by the disease. Uh, Asahan kind of, you know, encourages him to get up and help her save uh, the two children. Um, and then you get a cut um, to, I guess, the human base. Um, all these people are praising Tagan, who at this episode is very young. Um, he, he grows up quick, or at least there's a time jump. Uh, so he's played, I believe, by a different actor um, later from this episode. Or at least, if he's not played by a different actor, this guy, uh, him growing a beard definitely makes him age very quickly. But I am, I'm reasonably sure they're different, um, different actors. Uh... Then again, you do have um, you know people praising Tagan uh, from the group, and he kind of kind of becomes a um, very uh, highly praised young man since he came up with this plan. And he's he's I think technically under underage still. He's considered a, you know a, a teenager. He is not a man of by any definition that they have. Uh, so to kind of capitalize on this victory, uh, the um, the Confederation decides to hunt down the, the remaining Neanderthal. Uh, they've kind of broken them um, 
as a, I guess, a cohesive unit, but even individually, those survivors can be very dangerous. So they make an effort to kind of hunt down the remaining Neanderthal. Um, then you get a jump uh, to uh, Asahan later. She has a baby, and I think you're supposed to assume that um, that it is uh, the same child that she rescued. However, um, I think there's a time jump of a number of years. I'm not sure exactly how long it's supposed to have been, but then it does seem that she has... Um, after escaping, she has had a family with uh, Ragaz, who is the the Neanderthal who killed her guard. Um, he is uh, sadly quickly dispatched uh, after this time jump, which there's no explanation of. There's no they don't tell you this is a time skip. You're just supposed to infer it. Um, but it's kind of odd how they do it. it there's there's no there's no indication. Like, time has passed. It's literally just the forest is on fire, and then, boom, she wakes up. She's had a bad dream, uh, and, you know, there's a child beside her. So, um, and then you see the humans hunting down remaining Neanderthal, but it's not like, you know, that there's evidence that this is something that has happened for a long time. It's literally, they... They know exactly where he is almost. It's not like they've been tracking him specifically, even though from the way they cut it, you might think that's what happened. So it's an odd situation um, in terms of how they edited it. Um, I think it's probably one of the weaker parts of this episode. Um, it's probably one of the weaker parts of the show that I've noticed, um, among with some other things. Um but uh, overall, the episode's not bad. Um, the show itself is, is decent. It's fairly well acted. Um, sometimes with you know uh, these East Asian East Asian shows, specifically with Chinese shows, I have a hard time. Um, the acting is more. I think it's just kind of like a traditional stage acting type thing, and they've just filled filmed it. So I don't always like those type of um, kind of very exaggerated uh, dramatic movements, um, movements and dialogue. Uh, there's not a whole lot of that, at least uh, in this uh, show. Uh, it's more of a traditional kind of Hollywood type movie. Something uh, similar you'd see with J Japanese films. So um, I do like that. Um, there is uh, one thing that is very bad about this show, and that is the opening. Uh, it has some terrible CGI, and it is it is very much a ripoff of the opening for Game of Thrones, or at least uh, it's definitely heavily inspired if it isn't a direct ripoff. Um, but that being said, it's not a yeah that that's a that's a very small part of the show. It, it's just, um, it's funny how bad it is almost. Like, you can tell they they have a decent budget, or at least it looks like they did, but it looks like they spent it all on uh, costumes and um, probably the actors and uh, some of the um, 
battle scenes, which uh, is one of the things that is done very well. And I was surprised at how violent the show is. For a lot of, um, especially Chinese dramas, there's not a lot of actual violence you'll see. There's some, again, that kind of that overacting, and you'll have a cut, and then you cut back and someone's dead. And it's just like, okay, that happened, but you, you kind of don't see it. It's... Um, it's one of the, the weaker aspects of uh, Chinese dramas that uh, I think the Koreans or Japanese do a little bit better on. Um, but, yeah, so there is that. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I plan on probably finishing this. It is a long watch, again, um, 70 minutes per episode, and uh, they cover a lot. Like, it's not like, um, it's not, you know, it's not something that they're like they're dragging the story out. No, there is progression. Um, I think the first episode does it the weakest because you have these time skips that aren't fully explained. You're just you're just being thrown from one time to another. Um, episode two is much better edited. Um, there is a little bit kind of like of time passing, but it's it's not nearly as bad, and you know it's not so hard to kind of guess what has happened in interim periods whereas this is just like oh we we were rescuing these babies and then there's another scene was like there there's another baby uh is this the same one she picked up earlier it looks like it they probably used the same child for both of these characters uh but then no then they have these child actors who are these these rescue children and then uh you find out, oh, this is her actual child with uh, the guy that wanted to kill her slash saved her. So, um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, then, of course, you have another time jump after Ragaz is killed by the humans. Uh, he is, uh, or, you know, them kind of disposing of his body is noticed by Asa Han. She... Uh, kind of has to run away with her son, uh, and this leads them to, um, you know, kind of running further away, and they get to this, uh, these cliffs, the black cliffs, and she kind of tries to find a way down to the valley below with her son. Uh, this is kind of another time skip thing. Uh, her son goes from an infant to a kind of a small child, maybe late toddler age I guess to early adolescent I'm not sure how old exactly he's supposed to be um, but eventually they find their way down the mountain and they meet another group of um, these are definitely more primitive humans uh, known as the Wahan tribe and they're kind of very important for episodes two and three but uh, she dies uh, from I don't know if it's supposed to be starvation wounds a mixture of things um, Asahan dies and her son um kind of is adopted by the wahan uh and uh, yun sun is his name uh and there he kind of um he's kind of a semi outcast slash you know they like him but he he's got some weird things about him that they don't quite understand um 
And I'm trying to think, there is something that I did neglect to go over. It's fairly important. And what is it? Ah, yeah, my notes here. Okay. So, yes, um, as I said in the quote from the show, um, they make it seem like humans do not uh, dream, that this is something only the Neanderthal do. At least that's how the Confederation kind of considers how dreams work. Um, although you see very quickly that that is not true. There are members of the um, Confederation that do dream. Uh, Asahan specifically, the first scene that she's in, um, which is her with her son, um, uh, she is having a nightmare. And, you know, there's like a, a small... Um, kind of a scratchy dark voice and there's a snake that you assume that is um that this voice is emanating from kind of talking to her and the the, ch uh, the snake is going to uh at least according to the setup shot the snake's about to bite the child and then it just cuts and then you go back in time uh and then you have a, several scenes and then you go back to um asahan with her son and the snake's gone was that real was that part of the dream they don't really explain it too well. Um, at least I didn't think so. I thought it was edited poorly. And it's one of the weaker parts of the episode I watched. Um, but yes, you can tell very, you know, a, you know, a lot sooner that dreaming is not something that is just done by the Neanderthal. Uh, it is something that certain characters do. But that is probably something that's going to be kind of commented on, revealed further as the series goes on. Um, so, uh, kind of historical review for this fantasy show. Um, Neanderthals, they are not Neanderthals. They're, I think, again, I think they're kind of just named that to kind of make you think and kind of relate how this world is similar to our own. Um, actual Neanderthals, uh, again, they were probably... Uh, thicker, more muscular than humans, They, but they probably weren't as tall in general. Um, and again, they, you know, their technology was not on human levels. Uh, they could not see in the dark as the Neanderthal can. Um, and of course, by the time we get to Bronze Age uh, metallurgy, uh, which is what kind of this is supposed to be, despite the fact they seem to be using iron weapons, um, quite a bit uh um there are you know yeah it, it, it's definitely definitely kind of done uh ahistorically completely but um yeah obviously i don't expect this show to have a super in-depth relation to actual history um, but it is kind of odd that they specifically kind of call out it call it out as a bronze age world at least in some of the the press release stuff I read. Um, it, it is odd that they choose to use iron for that kind of thing. So um, I don't know if that was just a mistake on the uh, marketing department's part or, you know, if it was just something that they kind of like, eh, let's just, it's easier to do iron than bronze weapon, like coloring and all that stuff. Who knows? Um, in terms of actors, uh, I thought uh, the uh, character uh, Asahan, uh, very well done. Uh, Chu Jun Hyun, I, 
believe is her name. Uh, the guy that played the leader of um, the Sanyok tribe, Sanung, uh, Kim Wee Sung, uh, he was pretty good in it as well. Everyone else, you know, kind of, you know, they kind of all blended together in terms of acting. There was nothing that really stood out. Um, so if you're kind of looking for something different uh, than a lot of other um, fantasy shows, specifically on Netflix, there's a lot of um, just very poorly done um, kind of fantasy sci-fi shows on Netflix uh, that are just you know 12 episodes long, maybe 45 to 50 minutes. They're all, you know, very uh, maybe teen drama oriented, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but they're not very, um, there's nothing really to make them different from any of the other shows. Um, and some of them are good, uh, but they're, they're very samey, uh, you might say. So this is, a, this is something of a breath of fresh air. Um, and again, I do like the way that it, it's acted. It's different from Chinese dramas, which... Again, I think are more stage plays, or at least that's the kind of tradition they're following in. Uh, kind of over the top. Um, but that's just personal preference on my end. I'm well aware, uh, well aware of that. So um, I think this is kind of a good place to call it. I'm surprised this episode's 30, 30 minutes. I did not think I'd be able to talk about this show that long. Um because, again, I've only really watched the first episode. Um, so but there's enough here for me to give this, you know, give it more time. And definitely um, uh, kind of maybe follow up on this when we actually talk about the actual uh, creation story uh, for the Korean uh, nation. Uh, but that is well into the future. So uh, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Um, the final episode of our... Uh, kind of sci-fi fantasy uh, episodes for this year uh, is going to be on the Elder Scrolls world or uh, Mundus is the name of the Earth. Um, I'm kind of going to just go into a general background of that kind of mythos, uh, how it differs from other fantasy settings and uh, that kind of thing. So I hope uh, you will turn in for that one. And then after that, we will be back to our regularly scheduled history shows. Uh, we will be diving into the world at 8000 BC. Uh, and we'll be starting again with Africa. We are back to uh, our home continent uh, where we will be spreading around again after we're completed there. Um, I think the first episode for that is probably going to encompass um, a couple of areas. Uh, there's not a whole lot of differentiation to make uh, between Southern Africa and East, uh, the Southeast, Central, uh, South Eastern Africa, um, just because the Khoi and the San peoples, uh, they haven't really changed too much. There's a little bit going on with them. Um, that kind of uh, is different from what we talked about within the last time. Uh, then we'll switch over to um, the Congo and then Sub-Saharan and Western Africa will be the main part of that. Um, 
episode. Uh, and then, of course, we'll do North Africa and East Africa. Um, those will at least have their own episodes, though it is possible that they could be multiple parts for both of them. That's uh, kind of going to be how I kind of break down um, the notes I've taken. So um, I'm going to guess at least four or five episodes on Africa. Uh, and then we'll be moving to uh, Asia from there. So please look forward to it. Um, if you have any feedback, please feel free to reach out to me at waradrevpod at gmail.com. You can also contact me via Twitter, uh, which is, um, I'll include the link in the description of this episode for that site. Um, feel free to subscribe, rate, on any of the platforms you can find me on. Uh, if there is any kind of feedback system on those platforms, feel free to list, uh, leave a message there or a comment. Um, I do have my YouTube up. Uh, I have uploaded, uh, I think, seven episodes of my original season, and that includes the supplemental episodes. Um, I just set, scheduled a couple of more to upload uh, over the next couple of days. I took a couple of days off. Um, kind of putting those together. Um, it's not a huge, it's not a huge hassle. It's literally just editing the audio into a still picture of our logo uh, for now. I might do dual recordings at some point for face cam stuff on YouTube. I don't think there's a need to do that, but um, you never know. We'll see. But again, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoy. Please rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, thank you, and have a good rest of your day. Goodbye.